Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thrilled to be here. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Tiff Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. What is up, everybody? Happy Sunday. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. Great to be back here with you, as always, for another Sunday. I'm having a few technical difficulties on my end, so I'm really hoping I can get the intro to quit playing here. But we're going to keep going as well as we can. Uh, big week here. From the campus of Loyola University. Oh, what's going on? Give me a second. WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. The joys of live radio. We're going to do this. Thrilled to be here. Sorry about all this. Um, The computer is acting up in front of me. Not how I envisioned starting the show, but we're going to. The best we can here. The Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. There we go. I think I got it. Okay. I have no idea what's going on. This computer's taking on a mind of its own here. But it looks like we got it. Okay. We're going to keep going. On that note, after this is already off to a great start. So, again, I welcome you in to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. Great to be back here with you. Um, This will not be in the podcast, by the way. I'll do some editing to get this out of the podcast. But I'm glad this is happening this week and not last week because this show is not as big as last week's show. But, yeah, I mean, there's still a lot to talk about, you know, and hopefully I'm I'm just not going to touch the computer for a little while here. Make sure that's okay. National Letter of Intent Day was this week. we got a couple signees to talk about from the Loyola perspective. we also got some coaching news. If we have some time, we probably will. In the second half hour of the show, I'm probably going to go on a rant about the Cubs and the Bulls and the Blackhawks and maybe the White Sox. I haven't decided if I'm going to go on a rant about the White Sox or just talk about Carlos Rodon for 15 minutes because, wow. But, yeah, we do have a lot to get to with NLI stuff, mainly the big commitment from St. Thomas. Yes, his name is St. Thomas from Omaha, Nebraska. Appropriate that a player named St. is coming to Loyola. 
And he's also ultra talented. I've heard rumors about this kid ever since Loyola offered him. They were kind of late in the process, in the recruiting process, to offer St. Thomas. And he ended up committing, what day would that have been? Was that Wednesday? No, Wednesday was signing day, so it was Tuesday that he committed to Loyola. And this is what you're getting in St. Thomas. He's a 6'7 forward from Omaha, Nebraska. His junior year, he averaged 15.8 points per game, 6.6 rebounds per game, 4.2 assists per game, and 1.8 steals per game. That's pretty impressive, right? As a senior this past year that just wrapped up with a state title, 21.2 points per game, 7.9 rebounds per game, 5.2 assists per game, while shooting 57% from the floor and 45% from three-point territory. Drew Valentine's getting a good one here. This is a really good first signee for the Drew Valentine era. Now, and I say he's the first signee because Chris Knight and Ryan Schwieger had already committed under Porter Moser. So St. Thomas is Drew Valentine's first recruit signee. Thomas held offers from, this, this is just to name a few here, by the way. I pulled these from a couple different sources, one of them being uh, the local newspaper, in Omaha, and verbal commits. St. Thomas had offers from Mississippi State, TCU, Virginia Tech, Richmond, VCU, Cal Santa Barbara, Valparaiso, and I want to say verbal commits had Bradley listed, and others. I know Bradley was at least interested. I'm double-checking. I didn't put it in my notes, and I should have. Double-checking to make sure that he was offered by Bradley, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he was. Let's double check. I feel like I'm doing another Mike Francesa imitation here. Yeah, we got VCU, Mississippi State, TCU. I got Pepperdine in here as well. SMU offered. Valpo, Indiana State was in on him. Illinois State also in. Bradley was not. So I take back Bradley, but Illinois State and Indiana State also offered, according to verbal commits. So Bradley did not offer St. Thomas. My apologies for that. But either way, this is an awesome get for Drew Valentine. And as I said, I mean, he's athletic. He's listed as a forward, but he can play. He's kind of, I, I, don't, I don't like comparing to past players, but he's kind of the Dante Ingram mold in that he's kind of a combo. He's, an over, he's like an oversized guard. And can play forward. Like, that's what Dante was, especially for the 2018 Final Four team. I mean, Dante would bring the ball up. He'd be the facilitator at the guard, but he was big enough to be a forward. And with St. Thomas, you've got a 6-7 combo who can shoot. 57% from the floor, 45% from three-point territory. And he had a triple-double during the season. I tweeted this out when Thomas committed. The last... Loyola recruit that I remember to get a triple-double. And, I mean, St. Thomas almost had one in the postseason. This is how this came up. He almost had one in the postseason. The last Loyola recruit I remember to have a triple-double in the postseason, or in this case to come close to it, was some little-known prospect out of Jacobs High School named Cameron Crowick. Oh, and by the way, he came two assists away from a quadruple-double. So that's pretty good company 
But yeah, that's that, that's been the story of the week is that St. Thomas committed on Tuesday. He was announced on Wednesday. Drew Valentine had a quote in the press release on LoyolaRamblers.com. And this was in the release. Uh, they officially announced uh, St. Thomas, Chris Knight, and Ryan Schwieger. I'll get to Knight and Schwieger in a second. Here's what Drew Valentine had to say about St. Thomas. Uh, where is it? Quote, St. fits the prototype of what has made Loyola basketball so successful. He is a state champion and comes from a great culture created by Coach Cannon and Millard North High School. St. is a skilled, long, and competitive guard who has improved at an incredible rate since he started high school. He is a gym rat who has a very high basketball IQ, and we feel like he can be a good two-way player in the Missouri Valley Conference. We are happy to welcome him to Loyola. From what I've read on St. Thomas, yet yeah, he can be he, he can be a really good two-way player in this league. And I think he's got a high upside, and I think this is this is a really good get. I mean, he's a all Nebraska first team and Max Preps Nebraska High School Player of the Year. He's also a Max Preps All-American this past year. That was announced the same day he committed. So this is a really good get as a true freshman for Drew Valentine and Loyola Chicago. I'm really happy with it. And you heard some of the other teams that offered. I mean, Mississippi State was in, UCSB was in, Richmond, BCU, TCU, Virginia Tech, obviously Missouri Valley teams, Valpo, Illinois State, Indiana State. Well done by Drew Valentine on this one. And also he's got two more coming in, two more graduate transfers coming in. Chris Knight from Dartmouth, graduate transfer. Um, obviously the Ivy Leagues didn't play this year, so we don't have any stats from Chris Knight or Ryan Schwieger to go off of this year, but I do have some from his from their junior years that we can look at. Uh, we'll start with Chris Knight, 6'7 forward out of Dartmouth. Uh, Drew Valentine compared him to Andre Jackson in the press release. Uh, he says, quote, Chris is a skilled mismatch forward that will remind Rambler fans of Andre Jackson. Chris has an innate ability to put the ball in the basket. He's coming from a great coaching staff with Coach McLaughlin at Dartmouth, which plays a similar style, and Chris had a ton of success in that system. As a two-time All-League performer, we feel Chris has the ability to make a big impact from day one. He has stayed committed throughout this process, and we couldn't be more excited to welcome him to the Loyola family. So you hear the line in there about Coach McLaughlin at Dartmouth playing a similar style. So I think Chris Knight can come in now. The Andre Jackson comparison. This is something I do want to acknowledge because it's tough to compare to Andre Jackson because Andre, when he was at Loyola, Andre was similar size, 6'7", and he'd be down low in the small ball lineup, and his ability with the reverse layup was unmatched, in my opinion. During the NCAA tournament, uh, some of the announcers were talking about Cameron Crutwig and him being the master of the reverse, and I even tweeted out, I'm like, um... Who would you rather have? And your two choices were Crutwig and Andre Jackson. The majority of people picked Jackson. That's who I would have picked. I mean, Andre's ability down low was just, I mean, you watched it, and every time he did it, you thought the ball was going in just because that's how consistent he was. And that's, that was a big part of Loyola's success. You found Andre down low between his footwork, his ability with the reverse. So during the Final Four run, you had Andre as a senior, he came off the bench, and I thought Andre was one of those players who was really good off the bench. He started, didn't really have the same impact, but off the bench, he was really, really good. He landed a pro contract after graduation, to give you an idea. So you start big with Cameron Crutwig at 6'9", and he's got great footwork, big man. 
traditional big man. And then you go small with Andre Jackson, and he plays big. He plays big down low. He's got that that reverse layup was absolutely nasty. And yeah, I, I think I don't know. I haven't watched a lot of film on Chris Knight, but if he'll remind fans of Andre Jackson, I think that's because of his size and the athleticism. Um, his stats as a as a junior. So he didn't have a senior season. Obviously, the Ivy League did not have a basketball season. But as a junior, uh, he Chris Knight led Dartmouth 14.8 points, 6.4 rebounds, and two assists. That's as a junior. Uh, he only played 25.7 minutes per game. That was fifth on the team. So he played the fifth highest minutes and was the leading scorer. That's really impressive. So I think Loyola is getting a really good one here as well. I think these two, these two guys, St. Thomas and Chris Knight, are going to be the big names from the signing period, obviously, you have Ben Schweiger and Ty Johnson coming in from the early signing period, both as true freshmen. They're going to have high upsides, too, but I think Chris Knight, as a graduate transfer, he's going to have an impact from a leadership standpoint, but also on the court. He's going to he's going to be really, really good in Drew Valentine's offense, which we don't know what Drew Valentine's system is yet. That's a big thing. We don't, I don't know if he's going to keep the same system Porter has or if he's going to do some other things. I'm assuming... I mean, I would hope because he talks about doing things his own way. You heard that last week when I interviewed him. He talks about doing things his way, bringing his thought, bringing his perspective on things. Maybe we'll have a little bit different system. Maybe we'll see some differences. So we'll see as the season gets going. So it's really tough to talk about how people, how players fit in a system. But I think Chris Knight, no matter what Drew Valentine does, I think he's going to use him the right way. Uh, Ryan Schwieger obviously is the third member of this class, the second graduate transfer coming in. He's coming in from Princeton, 6'6 forward. Um, not huge numbers, I would say, as a junior in 2019-2020. 10.7 points per game, three rebounds, 2.6 assists per game. But uh, from the press release here, uh, he also he did lead the team in assists with 2.6. And from the release, it says Schwieger scored a career-best 27 points in a win over Penn. In a, in a string of six games with double-digit points, during that six-game streak, 16.8 points per game, 53.6% from the field, 47.8% from outside, three-point territory. So it sounds like he the numbers don't really show up, but he can be a good piece. Mate. I don't know if he'll come off the bench, if he'll start. Either way, I think he brings the experience and going to the Missouri Valley, I think he'll flourish under Drew Valentine. Uh, Drew had to say, uh, quote, Ryan is a very skilled and physical guard with length. He's a versatile athlete who can play multiple positions and has the ability to knock down the three with range and quickness. Ryan has played for some of the best, or for one of the best coaches in the country, Mitch Henderson, and he and his staff have done a great job de- helping Ryan develop into one of the top players in the Ivy League. Ryan is about the right things, is all about our culture, and we are thrilled to have him at Loyola. So there you go. That's your class from. The normal signing period, I guess, is that what they call it? The normal signing period that started Wednesday. Now we might still be hearing about recruits coming in because Drew still has five spots left on the roster. Now, I did get clarification on this. Teams have the set amount of scholarships. If some of the seniors come back, it does not go against the scholarship count, which no news yet on the senior coming back. I'm just going to be full disclosure here. I have, I haven't asked. I haven't heard. I've not heard anything more on seniors coming back. So again, this is going to be another week. You can ask me about it if you want, 
but I don't want to speculate just because that's a big decision for those guys to make. So just getting out in front of it, no news, um, at least from my end, yet on seniors coming back. But if some of them do, it doesn't go against the scholarship count. So right now, Drew Valentine has five spots left for next season. So in the next couple months, I'd say, we're going to be hearing more about players coming in, especially now with the NCAA giving this waiver, the one-time transfer waiver. And with the, how many how many names are in the portal now? Are we up to 2,000 yet? I mean, it feels like we're up to 2,000. Let's see what Verbal Commits has, because, I mean, the transfer portal, you heard my rant last week about it. There's a lot of players in the portal. Oh, I'm sorry, we're only at 1,400 names in the portal, 1,391. So we're going to be coming up on 1,400. With all the players in the portal, I do expect Valentine to be active in the portal and maybe get a couple transfers in. I think that's going to be a big way he fills those five spots. So I think that'll be next couple months you're going to see more on that. With this waiver, I mean, NCAA committee is going to vote on that April 28th. So it's not done yet. Like, that's a big disclaimer. It is not done yet. But I think it's moving toward happening. I mean, you know my, you know my feelings on it. So that's something to watch going forward to fill out the roster for next year. But either way, he's got some really athletic guys who are going to be good fits in St. Thomas, Chris Knight, Ryan Schwieger. Add them in with Ben Schwieger and Ty Johnson, which I don't know if there's a connection with Ben and Ryan Schwieger. I don't know if there's a connection there, relation. But either way, I, I think with Ben and Ty coming in from the early signing period with these three guys, so far this class is off to a good start. And, I mean, the Drew Valentine era is off to a good start considering he got St. Thomas to commit. Like, that's a, again, that's a good, that's a really good get with those numbers I said with some of the teams that offered. He's a state champion. He's a, a Nebraska player of the year. Max Preps All-American. That's a really, really good first signee for a first-time head coach. Now, the next question outside of recruiting, what about the coaching staff? We heard the announcement from Oklahoma this week. Matt Gordon and Clayton Custer are following Porter Moser to OU. Uh, Matt Gordon will be a special assistant to the head coach. And I want to say, did, did Clay stick around as uh, player development? I think he stuck around as player development director. But yeah, those two guys are as expected out the staff. Um, on the Loyola Athletics website, Jermaine Kimbrough is no longer listed. So I think he's not coming back. I think if you read the tea leaves, I don't think Jermaine Kimbrough is coming back. I'm not, I haven't asked, if I'm being completely honest. So there's no word yet on where he could be going. I expect him to land somewhere. I mean, he's a good basketball mind. I didn't really get to know him well. But I know he's a good basketball mind. And he'll end up somewhere, absolutely. But that's something that is just kind of under the radar. It seems like Jermaine Kimbrough is no longer listed on the Loyola Athletics website. Um, before I get any further, I do want to shout out Oklahoma for <laughs> using my picture of Clayton Custer from a game at Gentile Arena. Um, that was a surprise to me. I didn't know <laughs> that picture was going to be in use. Um, yeah, that was – I looked at the release and I'm like, I know that picture, and I found it right away on my computer because I knew exactly where it was. 
Yeah, that picture was from the 2019-2020 season when Clay was when he was trying he was trying out, I guess, the bench for Porter Moser, and then he tried going into the the business world and then came back to basketball. But yeah, I saw that picture. I'm like, that looks familiar, and I couldn't remember if that was my picture or if that was someone else at the Phoenix. No, it was mine. So that that was a fun surprise when I when I read the, when I saw the press release and I saw the graphic they posted with it. Now, obviously, losing two guys like Matt Gordon and Clayton Custer out the staff. I mean, Clay obviously is getting into coaching for the first time. Uh, Matt has been with Porter since St. Louis. Actually, if you want to get down to it, he's been with Porter since Illinois State because Matt was a well, Flash. Flash was a graduate assistant or graduate assistant. Uh, he was a manager at Illinois State when Porter was coaching there, and then when Porter went to St. Louis. Flash was director of basketball operations under Coach Majerus. When Porter went to Loyola, Flash followed him. And obviously now he's going to Oklahoma with him. So that one wasn't a surprise. And I'd heard rumblings about Clayton Custer. I think I talked about this last week that I expected Flash and Clay to go to Norman with Porter. But now you've got an assistant, you've got two assistant spots now, at least that we know of on staff with. Well, three, because you promoted Drew Valentine. So there's three assistant spots now. Um, it sounds like London Nakubo and Patrick Wallace are staying. They're still listed on the website. It sounds like they're sticking around, judging from, like, you know, I'm talking, like, the people I talk to, it sounds like he's staying. I've not heard anything contrary to that. And titles are unknown. I'm guessing there's going to be a promotion of sorts. This is all speculation, obviously. But they're sticking around, is what it sounds like, with Drew Valentine. Um, a name that has come up a lot with people I talk to around the team in the basketball world, um, I think it's Amaro Morgan is a name I've heard, South Alabama associate head coach. He's a name to watch coming up. I said I've been talking to some people, and that name has come up multiple times. Um, there's smoke there is all I'm saying. Like I don't know if anything's imminent, but there's smoke, and I think that's a name to keep an eye on for sure especially for like the coaching search. Now, there's one area in college basketball that I struggle with. It's assistant coaches. Like I cannot – someone – people keep asking me, oh, who do you think is going to take over for assistant coaches? I have no earthly idea. Like assistant coaches are the one part of college hoops that I just – I can't – unless they're well-known assistants, like, really, really well-known, like Luke Yaklich was at Michigan before he took before he took UIC and, and when he went to Texas, too. Like, outside of, like, someone like that, I am not well-versed in assistant coaches. So that's the only that's the only name I've heard multiple times as Amara Morgan. I've heard some other names. I'm not comfortable throwing them out on the air just yet. But that's a name to keep an eye on. And I think we'll hear something from about the coaching staff soon. You I mean it's something you want to get finalized, especially with the recruiting trail. But that kind of I hope that answers at least one of the questions about replacements on the bench. But we'll see. A message here from P1 listener Jonah Blatt, the Bishop Emeritus of Blurs. What's up, Jonah? Dare I dream about Adam Miller coming to Rogers Park? Well, Adam Miller for. Those of you who don't follow or didn't follow Illinois basketball this year, Adam Miller played for the Illinois Fighting Illini, and he was a freshman, entered the transfer portal, like, out of nowhere. 
it seemed like. Did I didn't see that coming. I like I mean Jonah, you can dream about Adam Miller coming to Rogers Park all you want. I'm not going to tell you no. But realistically, Adam Miller got some good minutes for a Big Ten team. Wouldn't say Loyola would be on my short list, but that's just me. I would expect him to go maybe bigger. I mean, to give you an idea, Joe Yesifu went from the Missouri Valley to the Big 12 from Drake to Kansas. And I know that he just slid into my DMs with this. I know Adam Miller went to Morgan Park. I know he's a Chicago guy. I wouldn't expect him to go from the Big Ten to the Missouri Valley. But that's just me. There's no insight. I mean, that's just a pure guess. That's just if it was me. But like I said, you can dream all you want. I will not tell you no. I will not tell you not to dream about something. Like that's, I mean, I would not be doing my job if I told you, oh, don't even dream about it. I wouldn't say that. But yeah, you can, I, mean, I wouldn't expect it to happen. But that, again, that's just me. Dream all you want. I mean, it'd be great if Drew could get to him in the portal and get him to come to Loyola. I mean, could you imagine? Like, I mean, the, the name that you think of right away is, well, Porter got Milton Doyle to come from Kansas. Well, Milt didn't play for Kansas. He took a summer class. He never played for Bill Self. Adam Miller played for Brad Underwood. He played good minutes for Brad Underwood. And again, he I one of the biggest surprises in the portal, in my opinion. What, I guess one of the many surprises in the portal. I mean, when you have almost 1,400 names... That there's going to be surprises in there. So, I mean, dream about it all you want, Jonah. I won't tell you not to. But realistically, I don't see it happening. That's all I have on National Letters of Intent and the assistant coaches. Um, I'm going to move on to pro sports because there was a lot to talk about this week. And my I was going to go on a... like. I was going to basically scream into the microphone until, you know, the Cubs found their offense and the Bulls won a game and the Blackhawks beat the Red Wings. But I'm kind of, it kind of calmed me down seeing the Cubs offense wake up and the Hawks win and the Bulls win. So let's start with the Cubs. Because I'm a baseball guy. I love baseball. Baseball is my sport. Let's let's talk baseball. Because I haven't really... With everything going on the last few weeks, baseball season is in full swing, and I haven't talked about it on the air. Which, that's very unlike me. I, if you'd have told me that four years ago, that I'd be talking Loyola basketball over baseball, I'd have called you crazy. Just that's how much I love baseball. It's my, it's my sport. It's the one I can tell you inside out, forward, backward. I mean, I, I love college basketball. I love basketball. It's the sport. I mean, it's probably the sport I'm second most knowledgeable in behind baseball because I played it. I've umpired it. I mean, that's my sport. So, yeah, baseball season's in full swing here. 
um, someone forgot to tell the Cubs offense because it's been non-existent until yesterday when they burst out for 11 runs, which have they scored 11 runs total all year? I'm pretty sure they have, but I'm just making a point because the Cubs just forgot how to hit. At one point as a team, they were batting like 125. Let me say that again, 125. That's not good. And I'm not going to say I'm not a math guy, but that's not good. Somehow they have the same record as the White Sox, which is interesting considering the Cubs have the worst run differential in the league and the White Sox are second best in the American League. But yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Cubs, with the offense. I mean, it's been, I feel like I'm living in Groundhog Day. This is the same conversation we've been having now for three years. Ever since 2016, even actually, 20, even after, actually after 2017, I should say. Because 2017, we chalked up to, oh, World Series hangover. You know, there's going to be a hangover from winning the World Series. That happens. Okay, fine. I can, I can get that one. I can buy into that. Since 2018, the 2018 season started, we have been talking about how this offense is broken. Theo Epstein has said it. They've had three hitting coaches since letting John Maley go. Actually, they're on their third head coach. John Maley would have been coach number three because you had John Maley, you had Chili Davis, and now you got Anthony Iaposi. The offense is still broken, and it's clearly not the hitting coach. Like That's just a fact. It's not the hitting coach, and people are quick to blame David Ross. No, this isn't David Ross. These problems go back to when Joe Madden was there. They just gotta flat out learn. They gotta, they gotta hit. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if it's, it's, it's clear. It must not be a coaching thing because they've had, they've had different perspectives come in. They had John Maley, who was awesome. You had Chili Davis, who brought a more older school approach, and you got Anthony Iaposi, who brings the newer school approach. I think you've run the gamut on experience yet you still can't hit. I mean, I know they burst out yesterday. I mean, Wilson Contreras and Chris Bryant both had two home runs, which Chris Bryant is back. Am I am I quick to say that? Is that an overreaction? I don't care. I think Chris Bryant is back. It helps when you're playing fully healthy. He already has more home runs this year than he did all of last year in 60 games. I think Chris Bryant is back. I've got more, but I got I got to get this in. Uh, bottom of the hour. Want to remind you, you're listening to WLUW 88.7 FM broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. I'm coming to you from my garage in Dwight, Illinois. It is a beautiful day out here in Central Illinois. By the way, it's been a little chilly around here all week. I actually got to go play some golf yesterday, which was fun. But beautiful day here. I don't know how it is in the city, but it is gorgeous down here in Central Illinois. If you have any thoughts, if you want to chime in. Uh, slide into my DMs, reply to my tweet at Nick Schultz underscore seven. I'm talking pro sports now, but I, I am always, always more than willing to go back to talking college basketball. If anyone has any college hoops questions, if they're Loyola specific, Valley specific, whatever, definitely hit me up. This is kind of a slower week in terms of news. We've had a couple busy weeks the last couple weeks with Porter Moser leaving, Drew Valentine taking over, et cetera, et cetera. 
It's a slower week this week, so feel free to chime in with anything. I will pivot as quick as I can, assuming I'm not midpoint. But yeah, back to the Cubs. Scoring outburst yesterday was great. Like, that's awesome. I want to see it again and again. I want to see three or four games of a consistent offense, and then I'll be satisfied. Like, my sister played her first softball game yesterday. First softball game of the year. It was awesome. First opening day I've been to of hers, because usually I'm at school. But obviously being graduated, I've got a lot of time on my hands. So I got to go to one of her games yesterday, her opening day down in Bloomington, Illinois. And she was the only one to get a hit. So she broke up the no-hitter. And they finished with one hit. And my first thought was, huh, they look like the Cubs. And the worst part is I thought, like, they were playing a really good team yesterday. And they didn't get run ruled, which, I mean, they haven't had a full practice yet. It's a small school with the IHSA schedules. They've been losing players to volleyball practice. They have not practiced with a full team yet. And um, and they didn't get run ruled by a really, really good team. So it was kind of, I don't believe in moral victories, but that was a moral victory yesterday. And I, when I say they look like the Cubs, I didn't mean it as a bad thing toward them. I meant it as a bad thing toward the Cubs. Because the Cubs just can't hit. And I, when I work at the bar, I work. With, there's a bunch of Cubs fans that come in, and a couple of Sox fans, of course. But I get a lot of Cubs fans in there. I mean, I mean, I, I watch both teams. Like, I was born and raised a diehard Cubs fan. Since becoming like reporter and journalism, the fandom has been like sucked out of me. It seems like so. I kind of I watch both the Cubs and the Sox. I can talk both the Cubs and the Sox. And even some of my some of like the regulars who I've known a, for a long time. Cause, I mean, small town. I know a lot of known a lot of people my whole life. And I'm talking White Sox. They're like, aren't you a Cubs fan? I'm like, yeah. So I talk Cubs with these guys. I'm like, yeah, they can't hit. And at one point, it was Cubs were what, 4-4? Four and four? And one of them tried telling me, it's early yet. They're 4-4. Four and four. I'm like, I don't care. They can't hit. It's an honest assessment. I mean, it's, it, is it an, it's not a knock, but it's a knock because, yeah, it's early but they can't hit the baseball. It's just a fact. I mean, that's if they figure it out, I mean, cool. I know it's early, but I'm seeing some troubling trends. Meanwhile, on the other side of the town, the White Sox offense looks good. They can't play defense. Which, if I'm Tony La Russa, I'm not sitting in those press conferences saying, oh, we have a great defense. I'm not worried about our defense. No, be honest. No, be honest, the defense is not good. I mean, they did have some big plays during Carlos Rodon's no-hitter, which was really cool. That's that's such a great story, Carlos Rodon. I mean, he, he got non-tendered in the offseason. He's been kind of a punching bag of sorts for fans because Ricky Renteria liked to kind of mess with him in games. But, yeah, that was that was really cool watching him throw that. It should have been a perfect game. I mean, Roberto Perez not getting his foot out of the way. That was Bush League. That that You don't do that. That's no different to me than dropping a bunt to break up a no-hitter. So he should have had a perfect game. But the no-hitter still, I mean, that 20th no-hitter in team history, that, that's such a cool story to me. And I love after the game when he gets on the on the um, post game interview with Jason Benetti and Steve Stone. He's like, "What's up, man? What just happened? 
Like, that's awesome. It was so great. So that that's a great story. I mean, the offense, I mean, that that's a high-powered offense on the south side. And I'm going to say it. I don't think Tony LaRusso is doing a bad job at all. Not that I expected him to. I'm on the record saying you've got a Hall of Fame manager. You've got one of the best baseball minds alive. Now, I did not expect him to do a bad job. Outside, There was the one game where he left Matt Foster in too long, and even in the post-game press conference, he owned up to it and said, well, that was it was lousy managing. That's on me, blah, blah, blah. And every, all, these pe- all these people on Twitter were talking about, oh, yeah, I know a 76-year-old manager learning on the job is normal. That's not what that was. He's human. It's not a robot manager. Because he's a Hall of Fame manager, it doesn't mean he's going to be a perfect manager. He's going to make mistakes, and he owned up to it. How many managers have you heard? No, let me let me switch this around. How many coaches have you heard in sports say, yeah, it was lousy coaching, it was lousy managing? Like over and over and over. Can you point to a time where Matt Nagy blamed himself? And I mean, he's, I know he said in press conferences, like, that's on me. No, I want to hear it multiple times and reinforce the point that, it, that when Matt Nagy says, that's on me. How many times did Joe Madden do it? How many times did Jim Boylan do it? Oh, I'll give you a hint. Never. How many times has Jeremy Colleton done it? How many times has Billy Donovan done it in the short time he's been in Chicago? I think Tony LaRusso is doing fine. He just doesn't, there's no defense. And that one, I, that's just, I mean, is it reps? I mean, is, it, is that what it takes? Is it just reps? Is it just extra practice time? I mean, uh, that one, that's just, there's really no excuse, in my opinion. But it's, it's the shortcoming of that team. It came through in Rodon's no hitter. Andrew Vaughn made a really nice play in left field the other day, too. And that's another cool story that, you know, it's a converted catcher or converted first baseman and the outfield, like, that, that, was a, that was a good play. You need more. But, yeah, Cubs and Sox had the same record, which is just welcome to baseball. I guess I saw a tweet yesterday that the White Sox, second best run differentially in the American League, and the Cubs had the worst run differential in Major League Baseball, and they had the same record I said it after Rodon's no hitter I'll say it again how can you not be romantic about baseball I cannot, I still can't believe this is the first time I'm talking baseball on the show this season obviously I did during the offseason but during the during the regular season this year I, I haven't talked baseball once so I'm really glad I have some time to today. I wish it was better. Like I wish I was talking about how both teams were lighting it up and in first place in their leagues, and we could be talking about the Cubs Sox World Series that we've been dreaming about. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be talking about that this year. Actually, no. If we are talking about it, we're going to be saying, "Well, remember when we talked about that?" Yeah, that was a thing. Uh, Jonah chimes back in. What do you think about Akil? Is it Akil Badu? Is that how you pronounce his name for the Detroit Tigers? I don't really have any thoughts on him. I think it's kind of like, you know, I think he's in the same conversation as like, you mean Mercedes in that, like, we've never heard of these guys and they're tearing the cover off the ball. So I really don't 
have many thoughts on him. I know, like, I've seen the highlights. I, I've heard about him. But I really don't have much to say about it just because, I mean, I've, I'm watching Cubs, Sox, Bulls, Blackhawks, college stuff. Like, I don't really I don't really watch the Tigers. I'm going to be honest, Jonah. I don't really watch the Tigers much. But, I mean, I have seen the highlights, and I think it's a great story. I said similar conversation to uh, your mean Mercedes, in my opinion. All right, we got to talk Bulls, too, because um, they're – going through some stuff and I'm going to talk more about what's going on with the Bulls on my Believe in Bulls podcast this week uh just shameless plug um every Wednesday Believe in Bulls drops Apple Spotify wherever please subscribe please review and really it's starting to grow a little bit which I'm happy to see so please 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 subscribe and review to Believe in Bulls I talk again every Wednesday hoping to have some more guests on soon especially as we look toward the offseason might not be as regular of episodes, but either way, I'm hope, hoping going to have some guests on, talk some ball. I might start a Last Dance rewatch because tomorrow is one year since the Last Dance premiered. So I might do a rewatch and kind of how I watch it now versus how I watched it back then. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, the Bulls are going through some stuff right now. Zach Levine is in health and safety protocols and will miss likely, quote, several games. So that means your top player is out for, what what we calculate, eight games? Keep in mind, there's only, what now, 16 games left or something like that? Yeah, not great. Didn't help that the Bulls were on a five-game losing streak before beating Cleveland last night. So I had this conversation with a friend yesterday after we were done playing golf. So we got done. We had a four, like a four o'clock tea time. We wrapped up and we decided to get dinner at the Country Club. And they had the Bulls game on, and we're talking. And Nikola Vucevic comes up on the TV, and my buddy turns to me and says, "Oh, well, they're going to ruin that guy's career too." I turned to him and go, what do you mean? Well, I don't. he's not going to be here for the future, and he's just going from bad team to bad team. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. What makes you say that? He's like, well, the front office is going to screw it up. I'm like, I'm going to stop you right there. You've got a new front office. It's a new era. You've got a great, you've got a great new coach, and you agree Billy Donovan's a good coach. Look, Nikola Vucevic, as the, as the number one right now, it could be worse. I don't want to know what we'd be saying about the Bulls had they not traded for Nikola Vucevic with Zach Levine going on giving into health and safety protocols. I don't want to know what we'd be saying about the Bulls. Like, yeah, I mean, I, they're lucky to be where they're at in the standings right now. I want to say, are they tied for uh, are they tied for the 10th seed now, or are they still a little bit away from it? Yeah, they are tied with Washington for the 10 seed. But I think if it comes down to it, the Bulls win the tiebreaker. I don't know how all that works, but I know they're tied. So, I mean, the Bulls are they are fighting for that play-in tournament, and that means I've got to back off my Bulls making the playoffs take, which that I'm so mad. I really, I really and truly thought, I mean, that this team should be a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. 
at this point now, and I tweeted this when Zach went on went into protocols, just tank. Just miss the play-in tournament, okay? You're, you're without Zach. You, I mean, you've got a core there. You've got Patrick Williams. You've got Zach Levine. You've got Nikola Vucevic. With those, especially with those three, I think those three are your untouchables in your lineup. And I think everyone else is on, should be on the table this offseason. I mean... <laughs> I don't I don't know. I think that at this point just tank. I haven't I haven't advocated for that all year. But yet tank, get in the lottery, see what happens. I mean if they get the Bulls keep their pick if it's a top four pick. If it's outside the top four, the pick goes to Orlando. That's the risk you took. With the Nikola Vucevic trade. And I know people are ripping it like, oh, was it a good move considering the Bulls aren't winning games? I mean, it was it was risky. I think it was a high-risk, high-reward trade at the time, given the capital that they gave up. Should they be losing games like this, considering they had two All-Stars in the lineup at the same time? No. But at this point now, you're without Zach. Just tank. Go for it and hope you get the one through four. Hope you get in the top four. And maybe you can trade up on draft day into the first round and take a guy like Io DeSumo. I mean, he's the name. If the Bulls are, if they end up late in the first round, just go get Io DeSumo. But tank. The tank, the tank needs to be on. I haven't advocated for that all year, especially since you hire a guy like Billy Donovan. You're not going to go out there and tank. You need to now. I mean, there's really... If you didn't give up your first-round pick, maybe we're having a different conversation. Like, if they kept that first-round pick, maybe I'd be like, okay, you can fight for the play-in tournament. You still have your first-rounder. No. you ha- The only way you keep that pick now is if it's top four. Just lose them all and hope you end up in a good spot in the lottery. That's where Daryl Horowitz chimes in, former host of the show. What's up, Daryl? Hope you're well down in Charlotte. He says, actually, any Bulls victory is negative. The only way that Vucevic trade turns out to be good is if the Bulls get lucky and a top-four pick, which is basically what I've been saying. And he says, Io is an NBA reserve. He doesn't do anything particularly well. Well, Daryl, I've watched a lot of Illinois basketball this year. I mean, I've watched a lot of Illini basketball. The two teams I watched the most this year in college basketball, are the Fighting Illini and the Loyola Ramblers. Which is why when they met, when they met in the NCAA tournament, I knew what both teams were going to do. Here's the thing with Iota Sumo. I wouldn't say he's immediate starter. Like when you say NBA reserve, no, I, th- I think he's... He can, I think he can develop well. He has the scoring ability. He can facilitate. He can close. That he has the clutch gene. Go back and watch some of these Illini games where he'd go, he where he would go on eight zero runs, six zero runs, eight zero runs. Even I think he went on a twelve nothing run on his own this year. He has the clutch gene, and I think, especially with a situation like the Bulls with their player development staff, with a coach like Billy Donovan, I think he'd be a high upside player. 
with that, with his clutch, with his ability to score, his ability to pass. No, I think maybe to start, he comes off the bench. But either way, I think he'd be a good pick late first round. Obviously, if you're in the top four, you're not taking Io Sumu. You're taking one of Kid Cunningham's going to go number one. You're taking like a Jalen Suggs type. Like the only way the Bulls would get Io in the first round is if they trade up to the late first round. And even that, is he worth trading up for? I don't know. It's just the name that comes to mind. The easy solution here is just lose all the games you get a top four pick. It's that, it's that easy, right? Is that is that how easy it is? No, it's not that easy. But that for in in conversation, that I mean, you can't bank on luck. If you're Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley, you can't bank on luck. If it's me, this is just me talking. I think you still tank. Go through with the tank. And if you get the top four pick, awesome. If you don't get the top four pick and you lose your first rounder, trades, trades, trades. Obviously, the big trade that needs to happen this offseason is this is a need to happen, and I, I think, I hope it does. Sign and trade for Lonzo Ball. Bring in Lonzo as your point guard. Because that's what this team is missing. You've seen it lately. Look, Tomas Sadoransky is a... He's good enough to play in the NBA. He's not good enough to start in the NBA. He is a good backup point guard. Now, if you had to choose between him and Kobe White as your starter, you're taking Sadoransky because Kobe's not a true point. Maybe he can develop into one, but do you really want to bank on that now? Especially if you're in win-now mode like this, like the Bulls say they are, which I don't think they are anymore without Zach. But say, even if Zach was healthy, you don't want to use a project point guard as your starter. Go get Lonzo Ball. That needs to be priority number one this offseason. And Daryl chimes in. I wish we could go back and forth. Yeah, I know. I wish. I, I I hate that I can't take calls. And we even we just found out we're remote through the summer too. So I'm here doing this over Twitter. Uh, Daryl says, I only watched his last three games and he never stood out to me. My judgment is really good when I watch college players and how they will translate. I don't think he's ever anything special. Again, I watched almost... I th- I don't know if I watched almost every Illini game, but I watched a good amount of Illini games. Look, that Loyola game, that wasn't Io. That was Lucas Williamson playing really, really good defense. That was a great defensive game plan by Porter Moser on Iota Sumu. Go back and watch some more from this year, and you'll see that Io is going to be a good NBA player. He's just got to get in with the right fit. He's got to get in the right situation. But anyway, if I'm if I'm managing the front office, which I'm glad I'm not, but if I was, you can't bank on luck, have a bunch of contingencies. I have no doubt that Arturis Karnaschovas is going to look at every angle imaginable 
And once the offseason comes around, it's going to be wheeling and dealing. Patrick Williams, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic are untouchable. I wish the Bulls could bring back Daniel Tice, but they were not, they're not going to have the cap space. Because he's been, he's been great. I've, I really like what I'm seeing from Daniel Tice. I mean, on defense, on offense. He's looking good. They just, the Bulls just aren't going to have the room to sign him. Which sucks. But yeah, the Bulls right now, they currently sit... 23 and 33. Yeah, there are 16 games left. I cannot believe that that was a guess. And I got 16 games left. That was a pure guess on my part. Like, that was me pulling a random number because I lost track of how many games they played since I last said how many games there were. 16 games left this year. And they're going to be without Zach for probably another, what, six probably? So if you're down to 10 games, just... Quit trying for the play-in tournament. Just the tank is on. At least it should be. Because here's who they've got coming up in their schedule. Obviously, they played Cleveland last night. Let's look at who they're playing next. Next up is a game, whoa, I got the full NBA schedule here. No, I just want the Bulls. I was wondering why I had a bunch of games coming up at once. Next game is Monday night against, oh, the Boston Celtics. Then Cleveland again, then Charlotte, Miami twice, the Knicks, the Bucks. That closes out April. The only winnable games in here, it's the game against the Cavs on Wednesday, the Hornets on Thursday, maybe the Knicks. And then when you get into May, you've got the Hawks, the 76ers, the Hornets, the Celtics, the Pistons, the Nets, great, the Raptors, the Nets again, and the Bucks to close out the season. The schedule is not friendly. The situation is not friendly right now without your top scorer. Just tank. I know it's not that simple, but it really it should be. Just tank, and if you don't get the top four pick, just start wheeling and dealing. Which I think is going to happen regardless. I think you're going to see a lot of trades. You saw the start of it at the deadline when you dump guys like Wendell Carter... Daniel Gafford, Otto Porter, and most importantly, Luke Cornett. I was giving a presentation this week at the high school, so shout out to Mrs. Jensen's English 4 classes. I was giving a presentation talking about the trade deadline and stuff, and I played them a clip from my episode of Believe in Bulls, which I did with Rob Schaefer, who's been on this show before. He's a friend of the programs. And we were talking about Luke Cornett, and something came up about how like I don't like Luke Cornett, and I, I told the class that I felt like Stephen A. Smith when Kwame Brown got traded from the Lakers, and I believe my exact quote was to quote Stephen A. and paraphrase a little bit: "The city of Chicago should have been celebrating in the streets because Luke Cornett was gone." That was the that was the best trade trading, flipping Luke Cornett for Daniel Tice. 
And obviously Mo Wagner was in there too. But yeah, you flipped Cornette to Boston. You flipped Hutchison and Gafford to Washington. And you ended up with Daniel Tyson, Troy Brown Jr. Okay, that's fine. But you're going to see, I think you're going to see more of those deals. I think Lowry Markin's time is up. I think he's done. I don't think Lowry's coming back next year. I think Sadoransky goes back to the bench. I think Thad Young might stick around. I hope Thad Young sticks around. From a leadership standpoint and from a gameplay standpoint. Yeah, I mean, the future, the future looks good. I, if John Paxson and Gar Foreman were still leading the way, I'd be absolutely livid right now. I'm trusting the new front office. It's only year one. I know as Chicago sports fans, we want immediate success for our teams. Give it time. Daryl turns back in. Watch a kid named Javon, Quin- I think it's Quinterly, on Alabama. Don't know if he'll declare, but he has better handles than about 98% of the players in the NBA. Has an interesting story. Missed two seasons. Goes to the basket left or right equally well. And shot well from the three on the season. He caught my attention with a pass. Watch his highlights. He was a top five recruit. Yeah, I know the name out of Alabama. Um, let me find. I don't I don't know if he's declared, if he's going to declare even. I've still got verbal commits open. I've got a couple minutes here. I'm going to just do a double check. He is a, according to my list here, for Nate Oates' team. Jaden Quinterly is a freshman. So he would be a one and done for Alabama. I don't know if he's going to declare or not. Stay tuned, I guess. But that's an interesting take. I haven't heard that one. It's Jaden Quinterly. I'm running out of time. i got about a minute and a half. Thank you for bearing with me through the tech issues at the beginning of the show. That was a lot of fun having my intro play about four times before I finally got it to stop. And, yeah, we'll have more in the next few weeks about any coaching news at Loyola, any other signees, and even around college basketball. I am always open to talk about, you know, DePaul, Northwestern, UIC, Illinois, Bradley, Illinois State, Southern, any of the Illinois teams. I am down to talk about any of them. But I just focus on Loyola because we are Loyola Student Radio Station, and it's my alma mater. So I always focus a little more attention on the Ramblers, especially right now. They've been in the news lately. So we will talk more college basketball in the offseason, I'm sure. It also feels great to be talking pro sports again. Just, I mean, slower news in terms of college sports so we can talk more professional sports. I'm going to have more guests on, too, something I've kind of fallen behind on. I've had a few on lately. Uh, My interview with Drew Valentine, while it was only 9 minutes, 10 minutes, was still one of my favorite interviews I've done. So feel, feel free to check that out on the Sunday Sports Shootout interview feed, Apple, Spotify, Google, anywhere you get your podcast. And again, if you want to hear more of my thoughts on the state of the Bulls, uh, go check out my Believe in Bulls podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Every Wednesday we'll have a new episode dropping this week. Um, it's just going to be me again. I'm going to get another guest on maybe next week once the season starts wrapping up a little bit. Once we get a clearer picture, too, of if the Bulls are going to make the play-in tournament, I'll have a couple guests on. And we'll go from there. I am out of time. Thank you again for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, wear the mask, get the vaccine when you can. I'll see you back here next Sunday. Have a great week, everyone.